turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 this evening. 1 Peter chapter 2. We've been looking at this book for the last several months. We've been talking, looking at the, the topic of authority. The topic of what does it mean to have authority over us? <clears throat> and being examples in this world, when we do have authorities over us, all of us, as I mentioned last time, are under some type of authority. Uh, as I was going up to t- drop my daughter off at Bob Jones uh, <clears throat> this last uh, Friday, I saw a lot of authority on the side of the road, especially in Georgia. A lot of authority with blue lights flashing, and I was just thanking God they weren't behind me or my daughter <clears throat> or my son because <laughs> they were out for sure Friday afternoon. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 17 this evening, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. We've gone through this. We'll go through it some more. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy if man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrong, wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you are buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? But if when you do well, suffer for it. Take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even here unto were you called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us example that we should follow his steps, who did no sin. But there was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now we are returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Gracious Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the, the rain, the thunder. We thank you, Lord, that we know you're in control of all things. This world is full of chaos. It's full of evil. We see it on all sides, Lord, but we know that you're in control, that you are the bishop of our souls, that you are sovereign. And someday we will see you. We long for that day. I pray you bless tonight again. Bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We look at duties or more duties tonight before God and man. We see, first of all, the duties in showing love and honor towards others. Our relationship with others is very important. I was uh, about a month ago, had a few days uh, I could spend uh, at the beach. And uh, just my daughter and I, my wife was actually sick. She was sick in bed, sadly. And so it was just my daughter and I. We watched the sunrise twice in a row and uh, just got there right, right when the sun came up, right when the sun came up. And I, I love watching the most seagulls. And they're just majestic, aren't they? I mean, they're those creatures. I mean, they just, they, they just hover on the water. You think, oh, you, you look for like a machine to come out. How can they just be so still? How can they be so majestic? How can they just hover over the water like that? You know, they're strange-looking creatures, but built by God, designed by God for for certain ways so they can can, uh, attack those fish. I love to see them going up in the air and come right back down. I love to watch them. It is said about seagulls that if you put a, a scarlet cord on their feet, they will attack each other. But they're not very, they, they, they are creatures that like to be alone most of the time. That they sometimes will attack each other when something is different. Isn't that something that, it, when you have something or somebody that's something different about them, 
you know, like a, they used to have a, that saying that if a, if a hen has a little bit of blood in it, they'll peck each other to death. We don't always get along because we're different. And we're, but thank God we're different by design, aren't we? I'm glad everybody doesn't look like Brother Chuck. I mean, Brother Chuck, I love you, brother. But, but everybody can't like, look like Brother Chuck. You know, can't, can't be it. Can't, everybody can't look like Brother DJ. I mean, that, you know, he can only pull off that security thing. I mean, you know, it can only be so many people like that. <laughs> Everybody's different. We're all different. That's a good thing. God designed us to be different. We're not robots. We're not robots. But we must love one another. But sometimes it's hard to love other, pe- other people when they're different from you, Right? You married folks know exactly what it means to be. They're going to be different. They're going to roll the. They're going to roll the toothpaste up one way. You're going to roll it up another way. You go. Some people love to have all the lights on in the house. I like to turn the lights off because I pay the bills. You know. <laughs> some people like the AC down to 65 degrees. I'll turn it up to 75 degrees. Why? Because I got to pay the bill. <laughs> I, everybody's different, though. We're different. But in our differences, can we get along? Can we get along? We must. Because the Bible says in Psalm 133, verse 1, it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You see, folks, if Christians can't get along, how in the world can we expect the world to get along? Christians must get along. You have to choose it. You say, preacher, I don't know if I like that person. You're not commanded to like. You're commanded to love. We're commanded to love one another. The greatest way that we can show that we are disciples of Jesus Christ is not by our holiness. It's not by our sanctification. It's not if we attended church every time we attended church. Those are all good things. It's not how much we tithe. Those, those, those are good things. But the way that we show love so our, our dedication to one another is by our love towards one another. We must show our love. Do you show love to other people? You, do you care for other people? Do you, do, you, do you intentionally choose to love other people, even though they might be different than you, act different than you? I hope you do. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 20, My son, fear the Lord and the king. We're talking about here, it says, it says, in these verses, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Proverbs 17, 1, 7a, fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge. Amen. Amen. The fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge. I say amen. We ought to be fearful of God. Not be fear afraid of God, but have a reverence for God. An awe of God. A respect of God. We need to get back to that in our society, don't we? A reverence for God, a reverence for God's word, a reverence for the church, a reverence for authority, a reverence for just what for the things of God. That's we, we got to get back to that. That's that's that go that, that starts in the home. As parents, it's you you teaching your kids when an when an when an elder when an elderly gentleman walks into a room. We need to teach our kids. The kid's supposed to raise up. Stand up. Remember when that was taught? Some of you were taught that way. When someone, when an elderly gentleman or a lady walks in, it's still polite to open the door for the ladies, isn't it? 
It's still, I think it's still right thing to open a door for somebody, no matter who they are. Amen? And it's still right when somebody opens a door for you to say thank you. Those are, you say those are just, they were, they were old-fashioned. Let's get back to old-fashioned. Let's get back to tradition. Let's get back to biblical things, right things. You say nobody else does it. Friend, it'll make a difference if nobody else in the whole world does it. You do it. Because it's right. Do right to the stars fall. Do right. Do right. That's our duties in showing love and honor to others. What about duties of subjection? Another duty of the Christian is he's engaged in, as we mentioned last time, the glass house of living in the areas of work. You, you and I work amongst people. We work, we work around people. Some of you are employed by people. How are you going to act? How are you going to act? There's a word for, it's called doulos or servant. It's, it's reference to domestic or household servant that lived in the same house as the master. Now, back in these days, there was lots of slavery. In the days of Peter, slavery was, was rampant. Uh, there were thousands and thousands of, of slaves. And to be a slave in those days basically meant you had no rights. You had no rights. Yeah, your master could do anything he wanted to you, even... Take your life. It was common. It was not something, well, you know, it's against the law. No, if you were a slave, the master, if he didn't like you, he could take your life. If you, you could not marry, you could cohabitate with another person and have a child. And if you had a child, that child was not yours. It was the master's child. You, had, you didn't have any rights. You were subject unto your authority. You were subject unto your master. People talk about rights today. Wow. Can you imagine what it was like back in those days when you had no rights? Where you, you went where they, where they, you were told to go. You wore what you were told to wear. You worked as long as you were told to work. There was no unions. <laughs> there, was, there was no government programs telling you that we will help you in your time of plight. No, dear friend. Back in this day, you were subject, totally subject to the whim of of your master. Dear friend, we are subject to our master, aren't we? We're subject to our master. Whether we eat, drink, or whatsoever we do, we should do all to the glory of God. If God calls us to do something, we should be willing to say, yes, Lord. I love that uh, those verses in Isaiah chapter 6 where during the time of the king, king Uzziah died, he, he got a, a fresh glimpse of God. He saw him high and lifted up. He said he, he lived in a land of, where people had unclean lips, and he was a man of unclean lips. But in the midst of all this trouble, he saw the king. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw God. And his, his perspective changed. Then his, his purpose changed. He, he cried out. He said, God said, who will go for us? He said, then the Bible says in Isaiah 6, 8, 6, 8 says, then said I, here am I, send me. Dear friend, that should be. That should be not just our, 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 that, something that calls us during a, a, a night, a wonderful a message during missions conference, but that should be the heartbeat of our life. Every day we get up, we should say to God, Lord, send me. Who can I help today? Who can I encourage today? Who can I befriend today? Who can I love today? Who can I help today? Who can it be today? If, oh, if we had that type of attitude, our society would change if we would only get over ourselves 
and start helping other people, even in difficult circumstances. The word subject, interesting word, comes from the Greek word, which means to arrange under, to put under subjection, to obey or submit to one's control. The person relinquishes his rights willingly. It's a military term meaning to arrange and arrange in order under, to arrange in order under. All of us are under somebody or someone. You say, well, that's easy. <laughs> it's easy when you have a boss that's kind, but it's a little more difficult when you have a boss that's forward. So what does forward mean? It means crooked. It means unfair. It means cruel, unreasonable, unjust, or wicked. Before I met my wife, I worked at Winn-Dixie Warehouse. Winn-Dixie Warehouse was a place about three or four minutes from where I lived that, we, that my, my dad worked for Winn-Dixie for 25 years as a truck driver. And my dad got me a job on there at Winn-Dixie Warehouse. My job was to go around with these little stickers and pick out the food, put it on a pallet, wrap, that, wrap all that food up, put it on a pallet so they could come in and trucks could take it to deliver to all over, the, all over this side of the country, basically. <laughs> but my dad got me the job, and my boss knew it. And he always kind of had a little bit of attitude about me because he knew my dad. He knew who my dad was. My dad had been around when Dixie, like I said, for 25 years. And as soon as, he, as soon as he met me, he said, you're James Moon's son. I said, yes, I am. I'm Marty Moon. But it's just like he felt like I didn't earn the job, but I was given the job. And I had to, it took me about three months for he actually kind of like me. He gave me like a halfway smile. It was like this. That's about all I got out, out of him. The rest of the time it was like, Moon do this, Moon do that, Moon do that. I didn't think I had a first name. It was always Moon this, Moon that, Moon that. I was like, okay. <laughs> you ever had a boss like that? Yeah. You got one right now, DJ? <laughs> well, thank God you got a job, brother. <laughs> hey, I'd rather, be, I'd rather have a job like that than be in the cheese line. But sometimes in life, you're going to be subject to people like that. Now, I had a choice. I could either get mad or get upset because he didn't always treat me nicely or kindly. He didn't, he didn't say, hey, would you like some Grey Poupon with that Coke? You know, he, he, didn't, he, didn't, ask me, he didn't ask me for to do anything nice. He, he wasn't very kind. But he knew, secondly, not only was my dad, James Moon, he knew, secondly, I went to Bob Jones University. And in Greenville... Bob Jones University has obviously a reputation for being a Christian college. And so he didn't like the fact that I was James Moon's son. He liked the fact that I went to Bob Jones University. He didn't like the fact that I was a Christian. And he didn't want to tell me anything about Christianity. He just wanted me to work as hard as possible. And you know what? By the grace of God, I made a decision. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to have a good attitude, and I'm going to do my best. I'm going to work hard. And he might, not, he might not like my name. He might not like where I go to school. He might not like anything about me, but by the grace of God, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus. And that's what we have to do in circumstances, friends. People might not like you. As they say in the South, you might not jihaw. You may zig, they may zag. You may zag, they may zig. But by the grace of God, you live for, live for God and do right. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter five, 6 and verse 5, Servants, be obedient to them that your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. 
It's important. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. Let as many masters as you're under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Let the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Servants, slaves, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service, not with what you can see, but as men pleasers. But in singleness of heart, fearing God. For ultimately, folks, when you're working for somebody, you're not really working for them. You're working for Jesus. You're doing it for God. Remember that. When that person treats you wrong. Remember that when they tell you to come to work when you don't want to come to work. Or stay at work when you don't feel like being at work. Remember that. You're not really doing that being obedient unto a person. You're being obedient unto God. You're being obedient unto God. That's important. So we see duties in showing love and honor towards, uh, to others and to God, the duty of subjection, and duties in suffering. See, we're to, we're to be subject and to do right even when we go through difficult times. It says this in verse 19 through 20. For this is thankworthy if, if man for conscience sake towards God endure grief, suffer wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well, suffer for it, ye take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. This is thankworthy. That mean, that word means it means to have grace. It means to have grace. And we certainly, when we're going through difficulty, when we're going through suffering, we need grace. My first pastor was named Nikki Chaver. One of his favorite sayings was, give me grace. Give me grace. He would see kids up here. He would try to get them to act in some type of play. They didn't have their lines memorized. They didn't know what to do. And I could just see him in my mind right now bow his old head and say, give me grace. Give me grace. We need grace, though. We need grace in our life. Grace, grace, God's grace. How much we need it in our life. We should ask God for grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Do you ask God for his grace on a regular basis? Paul would often open his books that he wrote on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Grace and peace unto you. He knew the grace of God was important. He was what he was. He said, by the grace of God. Do you ask God for grace? Oh, dear friends, we're saved by grace, aren't we? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We live for, by grace. We live by grace. We suffer by grace. It's all by grace. By grace. <clears throat> if I can get this thing to work. All right. Come on next time. Brother, hit that next one, would you? Thank you, brother. Oh, approval of God. First Peter chapter 1. Oh, for some reason it's not. Point doesn't work. Ah, there we go. There we go. Our spiritual sacrifices. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up in spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable by Jesus Christ. Not only that, uh, not wanting to work. Yeah, you might have to hit it for me, brother. Sorry about that. Next one. Suffering for what which is right. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also, as lively stones, are built up in a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Thank you, brother. 
Number three, a sweet spirit. First Peter chapter three verse four. But let it be that the hidden man of the heart, which not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is, is in the sight of God, a, a, a great prize. Do you find yourself having a sweet spirit or a sour spirit when you're working with others? When you're hey, when you're going through difficulty, when you're going through suffering, when you're going through hardship, it's easy to have a sour spirit in it. Uh, after the uh, election results this morning, you, you might want to have a sour spirit. <laughs> but you know what? God's in control. God's in control. Things might not be right. Things, things probably should have been done a little bit different yesterday, especially in High Springs and Newberry. But you know what? God's in control. As I said before, a lot of times the devil thinks he's playing checkers with us, manipulating everything, but God's playing chess. God's in control. God's in control of what's going on in the life. We have to recognize that. Have a sweet spirit. Number four, subjection and humility to others. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subjected one to another. Clothe humility. For God resists the proud and give it grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Do we do that? Do we choose to humble ourselves? In due time, knowing it's what God wants us to do. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. So we see duties in showing love and honor to others, duty of subjection, duties in suffering, duties in shadowing the steps of Christ. Because Christ suffered. He was our example. This word example is from the word, which means a writing tool for teaching beginners how to learn the letters of the alphabet. The students would trace over an example set before them. You remember that, doing that in school? Remember that? You had those little letters, and you had to trace over those letters over and over. Then you had to do cursive. Remember once upon a time you learned cursive? They don't teach cursive hardly anymore in a lot of schools. They don't teach that. But it's, I, I, love, I, like, I like it. It's good. But we went over that as, as a pattern. You had to do that. And you did that over and over and over to learn. Christ is our pattern. That's why it's... It, that's why it's vital as a Christian to, to read the Word of God, because as you read the Word of God and study the Word of God, you see a pattern beginning the, in the Old Testament with Genesis and ending in the, in the Revelation. You see a pattern of, of his behavior, a pattern of his actions, a pattern of his thoughts, a pattern of his deeds, a pattern of his life, a pattern of his love. You see a pattern. The word bishop here is from the word which means to an overseer, guardian. It's a word which of great history. I read some things about this word, interesting things about this word uh, that I want to share with you. This word meant, it, was, it, was, it went back to some, uh, actually Homer's Iliad. Hector, the great champion of the Trojans, was called this type of person a bishop during his lifetime, guarded the city of Troy and kept safe his, his wives and infants. Plato, in his book called The Laws, used this word bishop or guardian of the state uh, as someone who oversaw the games. He was someone who helped educate, someone who took care of the children, those who, who was a person who was noble or protector, a, a guardian, someone who had honor, someone who was honest, a person who loved other people and took care of others. That's where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be bishops in a sense. I know bishop is another word for pastor, but in a sense, we're all protectors. We're all guardians. We're all helping other people. I read about this man who was the Prince of Wales back in the time of World War, World War I, and 36 of his men 
died in this battle. And he asked the generals and captains if he could go visit the men. And he visited 30 of them, and they were in pretty bad shape. Uh, he, he looked at their lives. He said, but where's the, where's, the, where's the six others? I haven't seen them. He said, well, the five, I'll show you five, but the, well, there's one that you cannot see. He went and saw the five. Then he said, I want to see that last person. I want to see that last person who died in battle. And they implored him, Prince, you, you can't see this. He's, he's such bad shape, he's, he can't even look upon him. They took him into a room. He lost his legs. He lost his arms. He was, he was in horrible shape. He was about to die. And he bent down and kissed the man on the forehead. And he said, you were wounded for me. You know, friends, that's exactly what Jesus was for us. He went through all that he went through, the betrayal, the suffering, the death, the beating, the crown of thorns. On that road to Golgotha, the Via Della Rosa, he carried that cross. I'm looking forward to being in Israel in January and seeing that and saying, I can't, now I can't, now I read it. I'm looking forward to seeing it and sharing it with you. I'm looking forward to it. I'm longing for that to help you, help me. But I can imagine Jesus going up through that road to, to Golgotha, the, 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 the place of the skull. Why did he do all that? To be praised, to be glorified? No, so that I would be free from sin. And you would be free from sin. We would not have to go to hell. Oh, what a wonderful Savior. We see some principles of a consistency because Christ, the bishop, is consistent. He's consistent in purity. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, but as, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Aren't you glad God is holy? Aren't you glad there's still a standard for righteousness? In this sin-sick world that we live in, there's still a, a righteous standard, which is God, who never has sinned nor will sin. There's consistency in praise and reverence for the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, And if ye call upon the Father, who without respect of persons judge according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. He's consistent. He, he doesn't pay respect. He's, he's not a respecter of persons. He, he, he's, he's honest and fair and righteous and just with everybody. We, as human beings, again, like we said at the beginning, we like or dislike. We love or, or not love based on past or presence. Or, or different circumstances that happen. But Christ is consistent in his feeling and care for us. He doesn't waver, doesn't change. He's consistent in power and permanence of the scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, the gospel is preached unto you. He's consistent in patience. <laughs> I'm so glad God is patient, aren't you? The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 23, Who then, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. He's consistent in passive submission toward, towards the master. That's, that's how we should be. The Bible says in verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, 18, Servants, be subject to your own masters with, with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to forward. And we're to be consistent in prayer. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober. And watch under prayer. Are we consistent in our lives? Can you think of areas in your life where you're not as consistent as you should be? Maybe one of these or maybe something else that the Spirit has mentioned to you. 
Well, dear friends, as Christians, if we're anything, we ought to be consistent. I appreciate you, some of you who are faithful to church, you're consistent. I pre- appreciate your consistent love. I appreciate your consistent prayer. I appreciate your consistent care. Oh, we live in a world in which people aren't very consistent. They're erratic, strange in their behavior. But God's people, if anything, should be consistent. We should be consistent. If you've gone astray, return to the bishop of your soul. If you find yourself not consistent in this life, you find yourself going astray, you find yourself living in such a way that is not pleasing unto God, be consistent. I close with this illustration. I heard a story about a man who was at a, a dinner, and one of the men at the dinner was an actor. And they asked the actor, would you get up and quote Psalm 23? And the actor got up and quoted Psalm 23. And when he got done quoting Psalm 23, everybody stood up and clapped because it was so dramatic. They all sat down. Then the actor saw a clergyman. He said, preacher, would you quote Psalm 23? He said, I'm not the, I'm not the, I'm not the actor like you are. My voice is not like it used to be. I've preached many a sermon, and I, 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 I'll, but I'll do my best. And he got up and he quoted Psalm 23. Everybody was quiet. You could hear a pin drop. Every eye had a tear. And the, eye, and the actor stood up and said, I know the psalm. That man knows the Savior. He knows the Savior. Dear friend, it's one thing to know about God. It's one thing to know about the book. But I wonder tonight, do you know? Do you know him? Do you have a relationship? Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not something we just do on Sundays and Wednesdays. And every once in a while when people look at us. No, it's a relationship. It's a life. It's a life. Do you know God and are you walking with God on a regular basis father I pray God you bless tonight thank you Lord for your goodness thank you for these folks who come I pray Lord you bless them for their faithfulness oh Lord I wonder if there be any wicked way in us anything that as the word was spoken tonight and preached some area in our life that is not what it should be with head bowed and eyes closed no one looking around maybe someone say preacher there's some areas in my life Maybe you've been struggling at work with a boss that's forward. Maybe you're struggling, dear husband or dear wife, in your marriage relationship. Maybe you're struggling with your children. Maybe it's another type of relationship, or just maybe personally, your relationship with God. You know it's not what it should be. You say, preachers, there's an area of my life tonight that it's not, it's not what it should be. It's not, it's, not, it's not what it should be. I'm struggling. My submission is not right. My submission to authority, my holiness, my demeanor, my, act, my activities, my attitude, whatever it may be, maybe the Holy Spirit has whispered to you tonight, there's an area you need to change in your life. Would you, could I pray for you, dear friend? Oh, dear friend, uh, the, the blessed things I can do as your pastor is to pray for you and encourage you. 
from the Lord. If the preacher is the area of my life where I'm struggling with, would you pray for me? Anybody like that at all tonight I could pray for? Anybody like that at all? Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? Be honest. Amen. Anybody else? I'm the area I'm struggling with tonight. I'll be honest with God. I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior, of course, and we, as we give an invitation, you're always welcome to come forward. And I could love to sh- take the Bible and show you how you can be saved. As you say, preacher, I think I'm saved, but I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you come and, and just come to this old altar? And I'd love to take the Bible. Or your lady will take, have a lady take the Bible and take you to a room and show you how you can be saved. Many a cr- person who thought they were saved maybe came to church and they recognized after they heard the word of God that they weren't saved. Is that you tonight? Oh, cr- preacher, I... I know about the Bible, I know about Christianity, but I don't know Christ. I don't know Christ, I don't have a relationship. Is that you tonight? I know about God, but I don't know God. I know about God, but I don't know God. If that's you, would you come? Let's stand.